Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you got your Bibles there in 1 Thessalonians chapter um, 5, we, last week we were talking about uh, the hope that we have beyond the grave because of the resurrection. Uh, we began talking about the, uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ. We also saw at the return of Jesus Christ that those who have died in Christ are going to be resurrected and they are going to be the first ones that the Lord brings back with him. Those who are alive and remain at that coming uh, will be resurrected to meet them in the sky. And the Bible says that we will be forever with Christ uh, after that point uh, forevermore. So um, then he goes on and says this, comfort each other with, with these words. And the question that I asked was, why comfort? Why are we to comfort each other with these words? There's a couple of things. We all know, I think too well, I was talking even before service, the trials and the difficulties that we face in this life. Many people in our church right now, tonight, are going through big trials. Not just, uh, I've got an allergy uh, flare-up, I've got a sinus infection, my stomach's not feeling good, but big trials, life-altering, life-weighing-down uh, trials, many people in our church. And uh, we talked about the balance that we're to have through the trials and through the difficulties uh, as Christians. And the balance that we're to maintain is difficult, though. And the balance is this. We are to try to balance the embracing of a trial because we know that that trial is going to grow our faith. We're also supposed to embrace suffering because we know that when we embrace suffering in this life, specifically for Jesus Christ, it helps us become more acquainted with the sufferings that he suffered for us, for our sins. We're supposed to balance those embracing and that, that, that accepting with this hope, this expectation that this is not the end. That the, the trial that you're going through, that this, even this life full of difficulties is not the end. Again, that's to be balanced uh, because one day we're going to be taken away from these things. We're going to be called up in the air, going to be with the Lord forever. And that's why we're supposed to comfort each other with these things. The reason why I say it's a balance is because, um, you know, we have this flight or, uh, fight or flight response. And a lot of times when we start going through the difficulty, all we say is, I just want to be out of it. I just want to be done with it. I just don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to have to go through this anymore. Uh, but we forget that it's, we're again talking tonight, it's through those trials, it's through those things that God draws us close to him. It's through those trials, again, as I said a while ago, that our faith has grown. We say, God, I want to be close to you. God, I want my faith to be stronger. And these are the ways that God does it. Because if we're always full, always comforted, always uh, satisfied, never in need, then we aren't going to have that desperation to draw close to God. Uh, we can just kind of coast along in our life and everything is fine, so we don't really need to be desperate for God. And so um, that's why the balance is necessary, to embrace it. God has a purpose in this. God's doing something in my life through this. Maybe God has me to do something to serve him in a way that touches somebody else's life through this trial. All the while, I know this isn't the end. I know that God's going to call me home to be with him. And so this week, we are going to move forward in this because chapter 5 continues on in this topic of the return of the Lord. And so I'm excited about tonight. It takes a little bit of a turn from uh, we have hope, we have expectation, we have joy in the fact that God's coming back to get us. Jesus Christ is returning. 
and to a very serious and sobering warning. And so I want to pray, and we'll get into that. Father, we thank you for this time again. We thank you for uh, the time in, in worship. Thank you for um, just the opportunity to give to you in, in all these ways. And I pray that tonight we remember even what we saw Sunday, that we wouldn't uh, miss the opportunity to engage you in your word, to hear and receive uh, your word, knowing that there's power, that, that your word is, is everything that we need uh, for instruction, uh, for correction, for, uh, for all, the, all, all the steps in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray tonight we would all be open and receptive to uh, what your spirit has for us, and that you would just simply use me as a, a mouthpiece, a vessel, to speak what needs to be spoken for all of us. And um, Lord, we will glorify you in this. And we also want to lift up our brother Miles Wallace is there at the Kansas State Fair. Lord, we praise you for the, the decisions that have already been made through their outreach there. And I pray that you continue to work uh, in their lives and through them, uh, the gospel going out that hundreds would be saved uh, through that, out, that outreach effort there. Uh, God, just bless them, give them the strength, give them the energy to, to continue to do what they're doing. And we'll praise you for that, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Um, so right off the bat, Paul's going to say in a very loving way, there's, there's no reason for me to rehearse all of the prophecy. There's no reason for me to rehearse all of the events, all the history you know the ages, you know everything leading up to your lives and even what's going on in your life. So there's no need for me uh, to talk about them. They know what the day of the Lord is because Paul's already talked to them about this. And so he's going to very clearly start talking about uh, this day of the Lord for a very important reason. And I want to just kind of define this because some people don't know what the day of the Lord is. And the Bible talks about the day of the Lord. What, what does that mean? Some people say, well, it's, it's the, the judgment day. Uh, some people say it's, it's the rapture. Or some people say it's the tribulation, uh, the period of that. Some people say it's all of it together. Um, and so the, someone defined it like this. And so I just want to share what they said. It's a future period of time in which God will be at work in the world affairs more directly and dramatically than he has been since the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a time that's referred to by many Old Testament prophets as a time, a day, a period, uh, that the world is going to experience something that it's never experienced before. And so I just want to see some of these Old Testament prophets, what they have to say about the day of the Lord to give us a better picture. Again, Paul was talking to the Thessalonian believers. They were new in the faith. And so here we get a picture, a very good picture of what the day of the Lord looks like. Isaiah 13, verse 9 says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. And he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in its going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I'll punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. And I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Again, very uh, clear, very dramatic God's wrath, God's anger, God's judgment is coming to the earth, and it's going to transform both the heavens and the earth. In Joel chapter 2, 
It says this, I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered or shall be saved. For Mount Zion and Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord has said and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. So, so far in just these two Old Testament passages, we see that there's both judgment and there's blessing in the day of the Lord. There's judgment coming against evil. There's judgment coming against uh, wickedness and sin, judgment coming on the earth. But also wrapped in this is deliverance and salvation for those who call upon the name of the Lord. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteneth greatly. It's coming quickly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. The day, that day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by fire of his jealousy, by the fire of his jealousy. For he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. There's many others that the Old Testament and the New Testament speak about the day of the Lord. But as I said just a minute ago, point number one in your notes tonight is this. The day of the Lord will be both full of blessing and full of judgment. I said full of blessing because it's deliverance for those who have called on the name of the Lord. Uh, those who are, are Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ. When this day of judgment comes on the earth, we have no worries. We, ha we don't have to worry about experiencing the wrath of God, the judgment of God upon sin. Because as the saints of God, those who are in Jesus Christ, as the Bible says, all of the wrath for our sin was placed upon him on the cross. And so we look forward to the day of the Lord uh, in the fact that it's the ultimate deliverance. It is, it is uh, the ultimate salvation from the junk of this world, from the sin of this world. Not only that, the judgment part of it is an encouragement to us as well, but it's also a sobering reminder for us because the judgment part of it is the destruction, the absolute destruction of evil from off the face of the earth. Again, that's encouraging for us because when we talked about this a few months ago, when we consider all the evil and all the sin and all the bad junk and all the bad people that are doing bad things to people, today, terrorism and, and, and murderers and, and, and just vile people, they, when is it going to stop? It'll be stopped then. God judges evil. God judges wickedness. He purges this earth of all evil and sin. That's when that's going to stop. And so, again, we see that it's full of blessings. The day of the Lord is full of blessing, but also full of judgment. Back in the text in verse 2, it says, for, you, for yourselves know perfectly. In other words, you're fully aware, you have accurate knowledge of this truth, that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So again, he's, he's saying, look, I don't need to talk to you about what's already happened. I don't need to talk to you about prophecy, uh, about things already fulfilled. And we really don't have to talk a whole lot about the day of the Lord because I've already talked to you about that. And you know full well, I've already explained to you, 
You know accurately that the day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. Now, some people hear that and they say, well, what does that mean? What is, God's going to come, the day of the Lord's going to come as a thief in the night. Uh, some people picture that this, this imagery, the imagery it gives some people is that we're going to be in our beds, we're going to be asleep, it's going to be nighttime, and that's when the Lord's going to come. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen at night for us, per se. That's not what it's saying as a thief in the night. Um, what it's talking about is this uh, unexpected event that's going to happen. Some people, it's going to be nighttime. Some people, it's going to be in the middle of the day uh, when this day comes upon the earth. Uh, but he describes it in the next verse, verse 3. He said, For when they say, shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. If you're familiar with uh, what we've been going through on Sunday mornings and journey with Jesus, we've talked a little bit about this already. Matter of fact, we went back and referenced uh, what we're about to read. Uh, concerning this time, Jesus was asked by his disciples, what's it going to look like in the end times? What, what's going to happen? What, what is the world going to look like? Matthew chapter 24 and 25, he explains to his followers, this is what it's going to be like. Chapter 24, verse 36 he begins to explain almost exactly what Paul summarized there in verse 3. Verse 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days uh, that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving to marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. They knew not until the flood came, and it took them all away as a thief in the night. They were unexpected. They were unexpecting this judgment to happen. Even though they were warned, even though the, the messenger of God had proclaimed it, they completely rejected it and went about their lives living in sin, living for themselves, living for pleasure. They were doing all these things disregarding the warnings that God had given. Judgment came and took them all away, the Bible says. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, the other left. Watch, therefore. You, he's telling his followers, you watch, be alert. Stay awake, for you know, you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what uh, watch the thief would come, he would have watched. He would have stayed awake but would not, and, and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. So verse 44, Therefore be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh, who then is that faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. So this day of the Lord, this day of judgment coming to the earth, as well as the deliverance of God's people, will come with suddenness. It'll come with unexpectancy. It will come with fury. The lost world will be in continual pursuit at this time of vanity, of pleasure, just as it was in Noah's day. They'll continue to live in and live for sin up to the very point of the day of the Lord. Again, Scripture is clear many times, just as we saw in verse 44, in Matthew chapter 24, that the people of God are to be alert. We're to be privy. We're to be 
uh, knowledgeable of what it's going to be like. We're to be knowledgeable of, uh, of the facts Jesus already told us. And we're to be watchful, be alert, be sober. And so this day doesn't come upon us like it would the lost. And we've talked about this before. That's why it's always on my heart to, to preach and to urge us as a church to be about the mission of God. To, to not get carried away. It's, it's, it's something that we all have to deal with on a daily basis. To not get carried into the system of this world and, all, and our lives being about that. Man, we have so many blessings. In the Bible, and God wants us, the Bible says that God wants us to enjoy the blessings that he gives to us. The, the, the things that we get to enjoy in this life are part of God's blessings. But that is not what our life is about. That's not the purpose of our life. We're to be living our lives with constant expectancy of the Lord's return. And the way that we do that is by living in obedience, fulfilling his mission until he returns. Paul's going to tell the Thessalonians there's a difference between how the day of the Lord is to come upon those that are in darkness, those who are lost, and those who are in the light. Look back in the text in verse 4. It says, But ye, brethren, you're not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. See, he's explaining, just as it was in Noah's day, just as it is with a, a, a woman, uh, when labor pains comes upon her, suddenly, unexpectedly, it hits. It's coming. That's how it's going to come for the lost. Just as in Noah's day, they were, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Until Noah and his family entered the ark, the flood came and destroyed them all. That's how it's going to overtake the lost in darkness. But Paul's telling the Thessalonian believers, look, when this day comes, it's not going to overtake you as a thief. It's, you're not in darkness. So it's not going to happen to you like that. Number two tonight, point number two is this. The day of the Lord won't come unexpectedly for the people of God. Now there's a disclaimer here. We're going to see some, some more scripture on this. It doesn't mean that there's not a potential for the people of God to be out of fellowship with God, to not be living and watching as we're supposed to be, and that day surprise us as those who are in darkness because he's telling them, he's charging them, don't be like that. Don't, you know, you're supposed to be in the light. You're not like those in darkness. This day comes upon the, those in darkness. So don't let it happen like that. You are of the day. Be alert. Be sober. We'll see more of scripture's uh, that point to that. But because we're in the light, we have the truth. That means we have the truth. We have the Word of God. We know both the warning signs. We know the uh, preluding uh, uh, events. We know the signs. We have the Spirit of God inside of us. We have all those things to tell us. Uh, it seems to be amping up. I know every generation uh, uh, of church and uh, of the church, every age of the church, um, most preachers in, in the various generations since Jesus Christ have felt, including the Apostle Paul, that it was so amped up that it was going to happen in their day. Uh, but there are so many things that, that have happened now in 2017 that didn't happen in 50 A.D. or in 60 A.D. And when the Apostle Paul was writing to these churches, uh, that we can assuredly say, this has been fulfilled. This, is, this has clearly been fulfilled. And so now we stand, I stand here, we, we are here in 2017, and I can tell you this, the day is hastening even more 
than it was in Isaiah's day before Jesus Christ walked this earth. The day is hastening, even, it's closer, it's getting closer to that time, even way closer than it was in the Apostle Paul's day. And so with that, and we're going to see another scripture supporting what I'm about to say, knowing how close it's coming, knowing how much closer we are, how much more urgency should we be living for for the kingdom of God? How much more should we be looking for the return of the Lord? How much more should we be focused on his kingdom, not building ours? I would say 2,000 years more. 2,000 years more urgently. 2,000 years more expectedly. 2,000 years, we, we should be living like it's going to happen at any moment. Back in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus explained to his followers, again, which we have still today, the words of our Lord, what to look for. The beginning of the chapter, chap, chapter <laughs> the beginning of the chapter, uh, it says this in verse 3, As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when these things shall these things be. Tell us. When, when is all this going to happen? That would be awesome, wouldn't it? I, I, I would love, I believe their question was specific. I believe they wanted a year. I, I, that, that's, that's not dogmatic. I, I believe that you can see that in the Greek, that that's what they were wanting. Um, but I, I believe that's what they were asking. Just like many of us today, if Jesus was here and he were to tell us, Hey, the end is coming soon. I know my first question to him would be this. When? <laughs> when, when, he come, when are you coming back? When, when, when will you come back to this earth? Like what day? What year? I'd want to know that. that. That'd be the question I asked him. I really would like to know that. And I believe that's what the apostles were asking him at this point in time. And it's just something to say, okay, not only do we want to know when, but what are going to be the signs leading up to it? What are going to be the signs of thy coming and the end of the world? Tell us all these things. Give us all the information that, we, that you can. Listen how he answers them. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you. It's interesting that that's his first response to them. Be very careful that you're not deceived with these things. Just be careful that you're not carried away with, with other thoughts or other doctrines. Don't, don't be deceived. Don't, don't let anybody deceive you. Let no man deceive you. He goes on and says this, because many shall come in my name and say, I'm Christ and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. You know, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's some way to, to research and find out this information, but how many people have claimed to be uh, the Messiah or God or... Um, you know, follow me. The end is near. Thousands of people have followed him. I'll go further to say this. There are false religions today that claim to be Amen. the true God and have the true anointed one coming. One being Islam. How many millions of people have been led away? Millions of people. He says, many shall come in my name, saying, I'm Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you be not troubled. 
He's telling his followers, don't be troubled with the wars and rumors of war and all these Christ coming, saying that, uh, the people saying that they're, they're Christ. He says, because all these things have to come to pass. But the end isn't, isn't yet. It's not the end yet. This is some of the events leading up to it. He goes on to explain, nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Listen to what he says next. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. All of these signs, all of this trouble, all of, all of this turmoil is just the beginning of sorrows. That, that phrase, beginning of sorrows, is rendered is, is birth pangs, the beginning of birth pangs, like labor pains. You can do a, it's an interesting study to do. There's lots of information out there to see the increase just in the last hundred years of natural disasters. As I was sharing, I think last week or the week before, I was, we were watching the news and these people were just overwhelmed. One, one hurricane, like two weeks before the, the, the other one, destructive, I mean destroying. And, uh, in the middle, sandwiched in between those, not earthquake, the hurricanes, is, is sandwiched in between those hurricanes, an earthquake. Wildfires and destruction all over, and that's just the United States. Pestilences, diseases. Science is racing to try to cure all of the diseases out there. But it seems that they're increasing. It seems like it's just multiplying. It seems like Scripture, once again, being verified. Not that Scripture needs to be verified, but it's come to pass just as Jesus said it would be. And we've seen this Scripture, as I said earlier, I think twice in the last month, uh, just because it's the way, both in this study and on Sunday mornings, just because where we've been, uh, again, God's amazing in how all this stuff works. Uh, we've been talking about the return of the Lord a lot uh, recently. But look at it again in 2 Peter chapter 3. It says this, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Look at verse 11. Now this is the Apostle Peter. An apostle, this is right there around Jesus' time. So he, he's telling them, this is what is going to happen at the end, the, the day of the Lord. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. How should you live your lives seeing that all of this stuff is going to be burned up? Seeing that it's, it's, it's going to be all dissolved, how should you live? He's talking to people 2,000 years ago. He's challenging them then with living a life sold out to the kingdom of God. 2,000 years ago. So again, if we're 2,000 years closer, how much more sold out, how much more effort should you and I be giving to this? Remember what the definition of the day of the Lord was. That time begins at the return of Jesus Christ. See, God hasn't personally, bodily been involved on this earth like he was when he walked this earth 2,000 years ago. And he will be that involved again when he returns. First time he came as the sacrifice for sin. But the next time he's coming is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. 
came as a lamb the first time, but he's coming to conquer the second. And I want to challenge us tonight with this. Let's not get carried away in some type of mystical dreamland that we're reading here, how it was going to happen. And when we watch movies, Hollywood captivates our imagination. There's video games, and people are infatuated with all these things and these mystical things, and, and we get drawn into them, and yet we know that they're, they're not real. They're fake. They, they bring us in. It seems real, but we know it's not real. That's not how this is. This is not some type of Hollywood presentation. This is not something that we can just use our imagination with. This is not some type of, again, mystical, mythical thing that, that uh, is, is something that we don't really have to put a lot of weight into. These things are going to happen where we're at. These, these, this is real. This is reality. Just as it was real when you opened your eyes this morning and realized you had another day, these things are going to happen that real. Tonight when we leave, if God gives us the grace to make it home and go through our nightly bedtime and, and get in bed and go to sleep and, and, and see another day tomorrow, these events will just be as real as another day will, for us will be. But the reality in that is this. Our lives will cease to be as they are now. And praise God for us as believers. I mean, that day of deliverance for us, man, everything will be changed. The Bible says, we already saw it, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. That's going to be an amazing, amazing thing. But this will happen literally to this earth. Life on earth as we know it right now. The way that we go about our, 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 our lives now, how we live, what we do, uh, the way the world operates, how it's going on. Life on earth will drastically change. Again, not like Hollywood. It's not like some imaginary uh, thought or imaginary uh, thing. It's reality. Supernatural outpouring of wrath and judgment like this world has never known before. Similar to Noah's day, but with fire and fury, as the Bible says. And so my question is this. If we know this is true, if we believe this is true, Jesus said it's going to happen. Listen, if we, if we say, I believe that all I have to do is trust in Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and I believe that belief is a complete surrender of my life to him, making him not only my Savior, but my Lord. I know that I'm saved, and I know that no matter what happens to me, when I die, I'm going to heaven, or if he comes back before I die, that I'm going to be with him. I know that 100%. There's no question in my mind. I have confidence. I have hope. I have assurance. I have no doubt. All those things. If we believe that 100% to be true about our lives, then you and I need to take this day of the Lord just as serious. And believe it just as much as we do about our own salvation. It's going to happen. Paul explains it, similar to what our Lord said in verse 6. He says, therefore, let us not sleep. As I said a while ago, there's this charge that we have in this to be alert, to be awake, to be sober. Not to give in to, to what the world wants us to do, to live in the course of the, of the system of the world, but to live in the, in, in the mission, to live in the kingdom of God as citizens of heaven. 
He says, don't let us sleep as others do, but let us watch. Let us be alert and and awake and be sober. Be serious about this. This is going to happen. It's going to be a real day. It's going to be a real time. It's going to be a real judgment. And so as the children of light, as the children of the day, be sleepless, be awake. In other words, we're not supposed to be asleep on the job. There's no time for us in this life to be asleep on the job, per se, as the kingdom of of God uh, reveals. We've talked about our job before. The kingdom of God is very clear what the job is. It's the mission that Jesus Christ started as he walked this earth. The mission of the kingdom of God is to seek and save that which is lost. To get the gospel to every creature. To teach them to observe everything that Jesus commanded. To baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the mission of the kingdom of God. Fireworks. Can can you imagine a player on a team maybe your favorite sports team, or maybe you're not into sports, but just go with me on this. Can you imagine a player on a team that wasn't willing to do their part? They just, they just weren't going to do it. They just refused to do it. They knew what their job was. They knew what their role was. Let's just say football. Offensive lineman, linebacker, whatever. They knew what their role was. But they got on that field, and they just refused to do it. They refused to do their part to help the the team accomplish their their goal of going onto that field, which the team goal was to win. That's every team's goal, should be. But that player refused to do their part to help that goal to get accomplished. We would sit on our couches and we would scream at that TV. We would put it on social media. We might even try to start something to get that person off the field. We would criticize them. Maybe, or maybe it's the coach. Maybe the coach isn't doing their job. We say, get them off. Fire them. Put somebody in that, that's going to do what needs to be done to win. We get, we get fired up. We get absolutely fired up when those people don't do what they're supposed to be doing. And the kingdom of God and the mission that we're on there's way more at stake than a simple win or loss. There's souls that will spend eternity. There's eternity at stake concerning those souls. It's not a win or loss. It's not an all-star game. It's not a, uh, it's not a claim. It's not money. It's eternity. So what would we say to a person in the kingdom of God? who refused to be a part of what the mission was. What would we say to them? Well, I think that we would probably be a lot easier on ourselves than we would be at that TV, that person on that team, that, that, that coach on that sideline. We'd probably be a lot easier on ourselves than we would be on them. He says, be sober. It's serious. Point number three is a close tonight is our alertness and involvement in the mission illustrates or manifests, however you want to put it, the, serious, the seriousness of the day of the Lord. 
Now, the day of the Lord is serious, but it shows it in our life how serious it is to us. Our alertness and our involvement in the mission shows just how real it is to us. We think the day of the Lord is going to be real. We think that deliverance for those who are, are, are gods is going to happen. I have no doubt that it's going to happen for me. I believe it 100%. We believe 100% that the same as that's true, that judgment's going to come on those who have rejected Jesus Christ, that wrath is going to come upon them, consume them, destroy them, just as every scripture we read said. We believe that 100%. Then we've got an option. We can either be alert and involved in the mission because it's serious. That day's going to happen. Again, not like some Hollywood movie or some imaginary day or some mythical thing that we can just wish away. It's literally going to happen. And again, our alertness and involvement illustrates how serious it is to us. So the question I have as musicians make their way is this. Do we take it serious? Do we take the mission do we take the day of the Lord serious? Again, I, I would be sad to say we would probably take things like sports or entertainment, things that we enjoy doing, a lot more serious than the mission of the kingdom of God. Maybe vacations or whatever. Whatever it is, there's things I think that we might find ourselves taking way more serious than this day of the Lord that's going to happen. And again, if it's going to happen and we have one mission on this earth, are we involved? Do we really believe that it's coming? Do you really believe that day's coming? Do you really believe that you're going to be raptured out of this place when, when the Lord comes for you. Absolutely. Then you have to really believe that that day of judgment's coming on all those who reject Jesus Christ. You have to really believe that. And if we believe both of those things, how could we live with ourselves not doing anything to help rescue the others? How could we live with ourselves? It's like sitting, you know, see the images of those rescuers in Houston. It'd be like sitting in a boat, having the ability to rescue somebody in need that was about to drown and die to death. And just refuse to go rescue them, having the resources, having the ability to go rescue them. It's just a simple a matter of actually doing it. Go get them in the boat so they don't drown and die. Is that not what we're doing when we don't have any involvement in the mission of the kingdom of God? Is that not what we're doing? There's people that are perishing every day. There's people that when the day of the Lord comes will be wiped out in God's wrath. And if we sit by doing nothing, not engaged in the mission, not involved, not alert to the reality of the day coming, I believe it's the same, even worse, because those people that drowned in that flood may be saved and they may go to heaven. But the people that are lost at the day of the Lord will forever be in torment. And we really believe that. Because if we do, 
there's no way we could stand by. There's no way we could stand by and do nothing if we really believe that those who are lost are going to be in torment forever. The last part of it says this, For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. He goes on and says, For God's not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this gives us confidence that we don't have to worry about anything when we are in Jesus Christ. The truth of experience and not experiencing God's wrath as the saved of God gives us comfort, but it also should drive us to tell as many people as possible. Just like those people rescuing those people out of the flood, they would go, they, they're tireless in their efforts, staying up with, with spotlights, driving around in their boats, rescuing as many people as possible with as much, using as much time as they can to do it. He's, verse 10 says, Who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. Encourage, push each other, urge each other, just like you've been doing. Keep pushing each other to be alert and sober. So I'm going to challenge and encourage you. If you're not engaged, if you're not alert and involved, then it's got to be a couple of things. Either, number one, we don't care. We can sit in our boat and watch those people drown and it doesn't affect us. Or number two, maybe we're being carried away in the system of the world similar to what Paul said, those that are drunk are drunk in the night. They're of darkness. They're, and Paul says, let us not sleep like those who are in darkness. Let's, let's not be carried away. Let's not be completely out of tune like those who are in darkness. Let's be sober. Let's be alert that this day's coming and we only have a certain amount of time to rescue the perishing, to care for the dying. So is it real to us? Is your salvation real? Then this judgment's real. We can't have one without the other. So again, I want to encourage you and challenge you. Are you as involved and alert to these things as possible? I know for me, I, I can be carried away just like anybody get carried away in the busyness, even of ministry, and forget every day should be an opportunity to try to rescue the perishing. You can be about a lot of good things, but if we're not remembering what the main thing is, the main mission, then we're missing it. We're missing it. Let's, let's be challenged with this tonight. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the challenge you've given me in this. Thank you for the reminder that you've given me in this. And I pray that my life, as I've already prayed, Lord, would, would be used up for your glory. God, that I wouldn't be one as, that sits in a boat and is busy fixing the motor or cleaning it or focused on other things versus the need at hand, and that's to rescue those who are perishing. God, help, help me be about that business. There's only a certain amount of time that I have, that we all have here. Lord, we know your return is coming. We know this judgment is real. It's going to be a day that this world changes completely. Lord, help us take it seriously. Help us be involved and engaged in the mission that you've left us on this earth to fulfill. Lord, that when you return, you'll find those servants so doing. Help us be those people. Lord, I pray you just move tonight. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.